hey, more than workers. And I don't know, do people like being called that? I haven't gotten any feedback, really. So I think more than workers is okay with you guys. Uh, Mark Marin, who I'm kind of modeling now this intro thing after, although I'm not as funny or probably interesting as him, um, has the WTF podcast. So he calls his people something else. But I think more than workers is pretty nice. So WMTW is my podcast and um, more than work. And you guys are more than workers. But anyway, I was listening to Marin quite a few times in the last week. He did an interview with Jodie Foster that was awesome and Sam Neill. And I'm listening to Melissa Leo right now. And they're all so great. And I love the way he interacts and the conversations he has. And I can only aspire to do that, really. And I don't know. I feel like sometimes I get a little bit close to having conversations like he is. I get pretty deep. This is one that I think is really special. It's with Sandy Castrol. She's a person I met because um, in the last year, I was looking at my life a bit and just thinking about my purpose. And I do think my purpose is to serve. My core values are very clear. I've actually done more to clarify them recently. But service is really important to me. So one way I'm serving is this podcast. I hope that people are getting out of it what I'm intending to get out of it and probably more. I hope you're getting more also. I hope it's just not my will that's coming across, but really that you're learning about people that you're finding interesting or that you're learning about subjects you just didn't know about. And you're starting to think of ways that you might change or you might do something. And maybe, you know, you were listening to Seba last week and you've been thinking about skateboarding. You want to try now, please don't hold me responsible for any broken bones, but go try it. Or, you know, some people were trying rollerblading last year. I see some rollerbladers in the park here in London. Um, or maybe, you know, you just wanted to start writing in a journal and you haven't done that. And, and now it's something you, you're like, oh yeah, you know what? It's not too late to do anything. So anyway, I met Sandy because one of my best friends who I went to when I was kind of starting to do this soul searching um, is on the board of some nonprofits and he's on the board of her nonprofit. She's a president and co-founder of a technology and leadership nonprofit. And he just reached out to her and said, hey, I have this friend, Rabia. Would you be willing to give her any advice you have about going into nonprofit or things like that? And so she ended up saying, yeah, and let me talk to her, basically. I won't scare her away. And, and so we ended up having this wonderful conversation. And I had started off the podcast, started up the podcast at the time. And so I invited her to be on it. And so we were able to coordinate this interview. And she is just truly a remarkable woman. And the things she says, the things we talk about. uh, Sarah Robinson had a conversation with me a little bit the other week about anti-racism. And this conversation gets into a bit more about equity and equity in hiring as well. And I just, I think these conversations are so important to have and they're so important to hear and I'm really just, I'm just so proud that there's a space that maybe someone's going to hear a conversation about this that maybe they wouldn't have. And also I'm really honored that these people are taking the time to talk to me about these things. And, you know, my podcast will range, right? So you'll hear different episodes about different stuff. This one is about this awesome organization. It's about this woman and her career and 
it's really about all of us and it's about what we can do and how we can contribute in our communities. Uh, I've done some volunteer work with IC Stars, the organization. So it was just really, it was just so cool because it's hard to go into some organizations and feel like you're able to really lend your skills to help them. And a lot of us think about volunteering in organizations as maybe standing at a cheering line at a at a event, a walk or something, or handing out flyers. But the opportunities that IC Stars creates to volunteer are amazing. I was able to help some people with their resumes. Like some of these people maybe created a resume for the first time. So got to just help them with that. Most people who are going to listen to this could probably help people with resumes and do that work. Um, I just got to chat, do coffee and a chat. And then there's like interview, mock interviews. So it's all cool stuff that professionals can do to contribute that maybe you didn't think about. So I encourage anyone who's interested in doing that kind of work to look them up after the podcast. I see the letters I and C stars.org. But anyway, um, I'll probably should get to the podcast soon because you didn't really, you know, download this to listen to me talk for 10 minutes or something. Um, I just want to say that this past week, it was really hard watching the things in Texas that occurred in Oklahoma and just the weather and the people dying and the failure of the power grid and the state infrastructure and the irresponsibility of some people, but then the the beautiful acts of others and the, seeing people in communities taking care of each other and seeing people around the country chipping in to try to help. And it's hard not to focus on the negative of that situation when there's a lot of good people. I think AOC raised $5 million. That's just all people donating. That's grassroots. That's people caring about Texas. Um, Beto O'Rourke arranged to do wellness checks on people. A lot of the local community leaders, churches, and a mattress store, like a furniture store, opened up their doors. And I think that's all fantastic. I hope that, you know, just the people who lost loved ones, I mean, there's been so much loss in the last year with COVID. There are people who have died of COVID. There are people who have died because of COVID. There are people whose last days have been spent in isolation. Um, all that's really hard. And I just hope that the people are now healing. I And I really hope that the, the state gets the infrastructure worked out because it's terrible and you know, Texas, I lived in Texas for two years. It wasn't the place for me. It just didn't reflect my values. And I'm too much of an empath and, and too sensitive of a person, honestly, to be in a place where I just can't, um, can't really find my people <laughs> and can't find a way to contribute very much. I mean, I did volunteering, voter registration and stuff like that, but it just, it was hard for me to live there. But there are good people there. there it's a it's a huge state. It's got a lot of resources. There are amazing places there. Um, Austin's one of my favorite cities of any, and probably somewhere I'd live if it didn't get so hot. <laughs> uh, it gets really hot. So we've heard about the cold, but it gets, you know, really, really hot in that kind of place. And I thought about living there and ended up back in California when I was leaving Texas. But um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of recognize that this was a rough week for a lot of people. And I hope everyone's staying well. I'm getting my vaccine tomorrow, so maybe next week I'll talk about that if I remember to do that. I'm getting my first dose of the COVID vaccine here in London, and I'm just completely excited about it because I just, I don't think it's going to change anything. And it's kind of like the 
2021, nothing changed when it was like 2021 minute and 2021 the next. We're still in lockdown and we're still all wearing a mask and isolating and everything. But it's just going to make me feel a little bit closer to feeling a little bit better about myself and also just how I can actually getting a vaccine, I think, is positive for the community, too, because the more people that are vaccinated, the more protected more people are against the virus and less passing of it. Um, I'll still have to wear a mask. I'll still be under whatever restrictions there are in the UK, but I'm really just stoked to get out tomorrow, hop on my bike and ride over to the vaccination center. So yeah, that was a lot. I'm probably gonna have to listen back to know everything I said because I went off script as usual. But thanks for being a listener. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Sandy Castrol. And by the way, you can go to anchor.fm slash more than work pod and you could record like a message if you want to me, like about feedback or if you have guest ideas or anything, or just, you know, shoot me an email or leave me feedback. I'd really love to hear what people are thinking of the podcast. I have some amazing guests coming up and I'm already booking the next season. So that's really cool. So thanks. Thanks again for listening and for being here. Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Thanks for joining me again this week, everyone. It's nice to have whoever's listening to to the podcast right now to be here uh, because I have Sandy Castrol. She's president and co-founder of IC Stars, and I'm really excited to bring you this guest and glad she's taking the time out of her day to be here. Hey, Sandy. Hey, it's so good to be here, and thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, good. Well, um, not good, but yeah, thanks for being here. <laughs> Good for being here. Um, yeah, so you just want to introduce yourself a little bit and maybe talk about IC Stars? Yeah, so like you said, I'm the co-founder of IC Stars, and we've been at this work for over 20 years, which is crazy to even think about. Um, and IC Stars is a technology leadership and business training program for uh, underserved and underrepresented young adults. And we do a, a four-month boot camp intensive uh technology leadership training where each cohort is given a business problem to solve by a fortune 500 client then they're divided up into four different teams they form their own consulting companies and then they're competing with each other for this rfp so they're building really cool software it's different every cohort so the skills are constantly being updated uh, as as with technology that's always changing mm-hmm. um and we're able to script in leadership objectives in the project so that not only are our folks learning how to program how to build things um, but they're also learning how to become consultants. So how do I work with a client? How do I gather requirements? How do I deal with conflict on my team or with my client? Um, and so lots of juicy things that are baked in to the learning experience. Yeah, I feel like I could benefit from that now. And I've been consulting for 
quite a while. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's not something you learn really anywhere unless you're on the job for the most part, you know? So that's really cool. Uh, has anything changed like over the last 20 years as, as other than technology itself, but have your lessons changed? Like there's been evolutions that I've seen in like leadership, thought leadership and stuff like that. Yeah, what a great question, because you're right, it's it's like technology is ever changing, right? Like I, I, I even think about the technologies that we were teaching in 2000 uh, versus today, like back in 2000, we we're teaching everybody to be HTML programmers, right? Because every company needed a website. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is, today we're we've swung all the way back to like front end development um yeah. so it's it's kind of funny like you know in between those two endpoints there was a whole lot of data uh business analysts you know like um uh so so it's it's interesting like it does move and change but i think what's so good about your question is what else has changed um and frankly i think that what we're really good at is teaching about the beauty and the art of change. So we're developing change makers um, or change agents as they build the systems that are going to change our business. And then we use that same blueprint to develop change agents in our community. So what's Mm -hmm. in the middle are people who can think from a systems level and systems thinkers, that, that I mean, that's what technology is. At the end of the day, you're solving problems and building solutions. And then how do we uh, t- take that and use that to develop community leaders who, uh, who are then implementing change in the communities that we come from? So I would say to answer your question, we have really dug into teaching the art and the beauty of change. And it kind of starts with us, right? Like if we can kind of embrace change for ourselves, then we can enact change for others. And that means like really teaching introspection um, and kind of how do we anchor ourselves? And really, what are we on this planet to do? What's our mission, our personal mission? And being able to define that and to help people see through their mission to what their gifts are Mm -hmm. and then where they want to deploy their gifts. So, you know, the funny thing about being an entry-level technologist is uh, coming out of a boot camp is you just want a job, right? Like you want to get to work and, and and not every job is going to be the right job for you. Right. And so where do we want to bring our gifts Um, you know, so looking at the bigger picture, what is the company? What does it produce? What are their values? Mm -hmm. Um, and do, do their values show up in their actions? Um, and it's a great time to be thinking about all of those things as we (laughs) see what's happening in the world too. That's true. And I, I do think just as someone who's, I'm not looking for a job right now and, I probably wouldn't say if I was anyway, <laughs> just because I'm posting this. But uh, <laughs> but I think, <laughs> but I remember like last time for the job I'm currently at, I mean, I was kind of being aspirational about where I was going, you know, because I had actually been at a company that I thought was the place for me to be like everything. It checked all the boxes and I really weighed out like, oh, they have you know, community involvement, that was a big thing. And 
good employee relations, stuff like that. And then when I got into that company, they weren't practicing those things. I mean, they were involved in the community, but the leaders I had directly above me were not practicing those things like valuing the employees. And so the next place Mm -hmm. I went, I didn't want it to be like that. And where I'm at now is pretty cool because we're pretty autonomous. We get to work with all different clients, but also like some of the vision like I have is aligned. Right. And I can, you know, say, okay, I'm proud to be where I am, where I'm working. But I think when you first start out, you don't even know to do that. You're right. You're just looking for a job. So for people to even learn that and to be aware of that is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Like right out, right out the gate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and then I think, you know, once we sort of know ourselves and we can really evaluate companies based on, you know, those kinds of things like values and, and, and whether or not the actions reflect them, that, you know, I think there's like three different types of companies. So there's like the company that's focused on innovation mm-hmm. and you can see it in the products or services that they produce, but also in the team, right? Like, are they iterating? Are they doing customer interviews? Are they constantly mm-hmm. thinking, how can we do this better? Is there, or is there like sort of a, it's good enough kind of thing? Um, do they have an innovation process? And then there are the companies that are focused on operational excellence. So these are the companies who, you know, they're focused on, can we do more? Can we do better? How do we maximize our resources? You know, like the utilities, for example, Mm -hmm. it's less about profit margin and more about how can we do more with less? Um, And then I think, you know, the third type of company is all about customer satisfaction. So, right. Like how are we, you know, customizing our product or our service for our very specific customers. Like uh, if you remember the old Burger King commercial, have it your way Mm -hmm. or Starbucks, like that idea of customizing your burger, your coffee for every customer differently was kind of radical and revolutionary when it happened. And so if you think about, okay, so where do I want to work? Do I want to be in the midst of innovation um, so, so constantly learning and changing and growing in a very fast pace, or do I want to kind of be in a very stable industry and focus on operational excellence? Or am I more uh, about relationships and people and a customer satisfaction kind of thing? Um, and, and, I, and I think like that's that hub, the whole next layer about how do we select where we want to give our gifts? Um, yeah. No, I I really like looking at it that way. I think one thing I was thinking just now is, do you have a person or maybe a couple of people that over the last 20 years where you saw them go from a certain place to somewhere where you're like, wow, this, this is why we are doing this program because look at what this woman or man has done. Do you have an example of that? Oh, yes. I have many. It's hard to pick. Like, it's like Sophie's choice, you know? So I'll just say, (laughs) I'll say that, um, you know, every day I am inspired by one of our alums who comes back and volunteers and teaches what they know, who, you know, opens up a community center, uh, who is, you know, just killing it in their job. Um, and, and I think that it's what makes it really special and sticky is that 
you know, traditional workforce development means that you need to develop a skill or a behavior um, or a connection. And so you go to a place, you learn the skill, you make the connection, you move on and you don't look back. Um, and and exa- in fact, you try to get as far away from that organization as possible because that's a reminder of when you weren't whole. Um, and I think that that doesn't really work because it's not a complete cycle and it doesn't foster reciprocity. Um, and so mm-hmm. in our world, we're looking at, you don't really know something until you teach someone else. And that mm-hmm. we define leadership as making opportunities for others. So all of our graduates have a plan for the opportunities they're going to make in their business and in their community. And so those are the stories that inspire me the most. Um, and so, you know, when we're talking about developing leaders, we're basically talking about three types of leaders. The, the, uh, the, the civic leader who's looking at things from a systems level and impacting the policies that impact our communities. The business leader who's an entrepreneur, who's starting new businesses, who's poking holes in the glass ceiling, making opportunities for others through, through business and then hiring from the community. And then um, service leaders who are being visible in the community as mentors, as teachers, as coaches. They're setting up labs. They're teaching, you know, technology or digital literacy classes. And that those three types of leaders are going to be the change agents who impact our policies, our businesses, and our communities. And that having a, a set of shared experiences um, really kind of allows people to not be all siloed in their work, mm-hmm. but take into account the, the full perspective. Um, and that's kind of what I think about when I think about those ends meeting, right? Like, mm-hmm. so now what are you going to do with it? Because education for the sake of knowledge is selfish. If you just learn something for you, it's selfish. It's not until you apply that or teach someone else that it has meaning. That's true because even in, in looking at a career and again, like looking at someone who's more immature in their career and someone who's more mature, you learn at some point that sharing information benefits everybody and holding on to it doesn't make you the most valuable player. It actually makes you kind of really a, not the best, not certainly not a team player, but maybe not even the best player on your team at all because it's yeah. just, yeah, you're the only one with it. Yeah. 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 And we all know that that subject matter expert who's a mm-hmm. jackass, you know, we, we know <laughs> that person mm-hmm. who's like, they're brilliant, but they're just impossible to be around. They're kind of selfish. They put up walls. They're, you know. Yeah. You don't even want to ask them. Like, you're like, I know they're the SME, but I actually will do whatever I can to not ask them. Right. Because, yeah. They're so unpleasant. Yeah. So who, who is like the person that joins IC stars as a cohort and goes through the program? Yeah. So, you know, I, I said the uh, earlier it was underserved and underrepresented. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we mix those two up. Like we think, Oh, underserved is underrepresented. And it's not um, underrepresented is of course, people of color, who we don't see in our industry and technology. Um, And then underserved is people who are coming from low-income communities without access to opportunities. Um, And so our belief is that people who have faced adversity have developed resiliency. And that 
that resiliency that's developed becomes this toolkit for survival. Mm-hmm. But and and it has, you know, critical thinking skills and creativity and reciprocity and chutzpah, um, all of these things that that happen. And then the the magical thing is that these are the very skills that are needed to be a programmer, mm-hmm. um, to be an entrepreneur and to be a, a community leader. Um, and so we look for resiliency. We look for folks who have overcome obstacles. Uh, the traditional or the typical um, intern, we call our students interns, mm-hmm. is someone who has responsibilities outside of themselves. Maybe, you know, they're taking care of kids or a parent or um, something. Uh, and they are typically between like 18 and 27 though we don't have an age cap. So, you know, we've had people in their forties and fifties do IC stars. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're um, typically a musical learner. So someone who can read music, who's musically gifted um, at people who English may be their second language. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, so you're starting to see this profile of somebody who's very smart, maybe not traditionally smart, but because a person can speak more than one language. Learning code is just another language. Um, and so they're very quick. At, they've got a, a process for learning that language. Um, <clears throat> maybe they've had uh, one year of college, some college, uh, but then had to drop out for financial reasons or to take care of someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, people who have GEDs or high school diplomas, um, but I, I think, and, and maybe a passion for technology, but more than anything, a passion for uh, making change, being a change maker. Hmm. Yeah, so it ends up, though it sounds like a very small, specific category of people, it ends up becoming a lot of people. It's kind of nice in a way that like underrepresented and underserved becomes this really broad umbrella rather than, mm-hmm. you know, very niched and siloed within itself or something yeah so yeah i think that's pretty cool um so now what brought you so you're passionate about change makers leaders and everything and you're one of those and so what brought you and i know already the answer because we've talked before but um (laughs) what brought you to icy stars or to create icy stars with your co-founder so the story I love to tell is, um, and if you'll indulge me in this, so yeah. <laughs> I was a, a, a science teacher, a math and science teacher, and my classroom um, uh, for chemistry, you know, we didn't have a lab. We didn't have, you know, Jack, basically, uh, mm-hmm. but we had plenty of imagination. <laughs> and so the first thing I do on the first day is kind of pull down the periodic table and have everybody pick an element. And that's who you'd be for the whole semester. You know, so mm-hmm. if you were iron, I'd call you Effie. If you were <laughs> gold, I'd be AU. <laughs> Thank you so much for laughing. At my <laughs> I like it. It sounds like, no, I, my friend's kids always say, tell us some kids jokes. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I could teach them science. You know? <laughs> See? <Yes. laughs> oh, and, well, so, and then I would say, all right, do you want to be a solid, a liquid, or a gas? Um, you know, so the cool kids are like solid, you know, and like <laughs> s- some of the girls would be like liquid. Um, but the geeks, 
who are thinking, where is she going with this? They would say gas. Now, imagine you're 17 years old and you just said to everyone, I want to be a gas, right? Like you're going to hear some sounds, you know? Yeah, yeah, and for sure. <laughs> so immediately I, 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 you know, separate the room, right? Like, so the solids would sit in the front row. And I'd say your molecules are packed tightly together and you will not move. Sometimes I would talk to them as if they weren't as smart as everybody else because, you know, they were solids, you know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then for the liquids, I'd rope off a section of the classroom and I'd say, you have a little bit more mobility because your molecules are more spread out, but you'll always take the shape of your container. Mm. And the gases... Of course, we're free to move about, right? Like the molecules were spread out. If I left the door open, they could leave. They had yeah. all the freedom. And the truth is, it doesn't matter, you know, where you grew up or what privilege you have. What every kid wants at 17 is freedom. Mm -hmm. And so immediately, you know, the solids were like, well, that is not fair, you know. And <laughs> I'd say, well, then you have to change your state of matter. Or like class mobility, we have to change our state of mind. Mm -hmm. And so our journey through science is going to be about how to get all the freedoms that you want, but we're going to use the language of science to get there. And the hard part is that at the end of the day, you can't forget who you are. So for some of us to change our state of matter, it's going to be a lot easier, like heating, cooling, pressure. Uh, but for others, you know, mercury, it's going to be a little harder. And so you're going to find out exactly who you are, what your superpowers are, mm -hmm. and how you bond with other people in this class, right? Like whether it's going to be a covalent bond or an ionic bond, like friendship or love mm -hmm. bond, you know, <laughs> and what happens <laughs> when you guys get together. Um, and so, you know, we had a lot of fun. Uh, my kids all did great. You know, they were killing their tests and everything else. And, and it was human centered education. Um, it mm -hmm. starts with the individual. And so my kids would come back and visit me and I, uh, uh, you know, and I'd always ask them, so what are you doing with your science? What's your truth? Like science is the study of truth. And one day the, the, probably the most brilliant student I ever taught came back to visit. Um, I mean, brilliant, like the kid could figure out cold fusion. Like he mm -hmm. had a beautiful scientific mind. And so I'm excited. I, you know, I said, what are you doing? You, are you smashing atoms? Like what's going on? Says, no, I, you know, I'm working with chemicals. Um, and you know, I, I work at a hotel downtown, uh, doing cleaning services and you'd be surprised at what people don't know about the basic properties of ammonia. Hmm. And I, my heart was breaking. Like here was this brilliant kid and he's basically telling me that he's cleaning toilets mm -hmm. and he's cheerful about it. And by the way, he's not even making minimum wage because of his documentation status. Mm. And this is just ridiculous, like a yeah. waste. And just as I'm like going into my special place of this is an injustice, what are you know, he turns to me and he says, Sandy, you're not listening. Like you've always taught us that leadership is making opportunities for others. And so it shouldn't matter whether I'm in a lecture hall or, uh, or I'm wearing a lab coat or I'm, I'm cleaning toilets. I'm teaching people just like you taught us. Huh. And that was it. That was it. I was like, <laughs> like exploding head. 
and I remember walking down the street back to my office and thinking like, my life is never going to be the same. Like I have to address this now. Like I'd have a really Mm -hmm. wonderful career as a teacher and an educational consultant. And this was the late nineties, right? Like the world had been declared flat. There were dot coms popping up everywhere. And, you know, the sort of white middle class way of doing business was going to get disrupted big time because we weren't mm-hmm. just competing locally. We were going to be competing globally. And frankly, the rest of the world didn't look like uh, the folks who are making the rules in our country today. And so they would need diverse people. They would need yeah. people who had that resilience. They would need people who could think outside of the box and all of that. And so it was just a really good time to introduce technology and leadership in the same frame to mm-hmm. the world. Um, and so that was really the impetus. And uh, our first cohort, you know, we had 100% placement. Everybody went to go work at dot coms. They rode around on scooters. They ate Pop-Tarts all day, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, <laughs> and then the bubble burst. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to pivot from dot coms and startups to you know, big, large enterprise IT companies uh, and so on. Yeah. And were you in Chicago at that time? Yeah. So this is all Chicago. Yep. yep. All Chicago. So one thing, and just for background for people, I mean, we, you and I spoke before because you were actually doing kind of a mentor call for me, which was really great just about my career aspirations and and that kind of thing. And so one thing you said to me during that call that just stuck with me, uh, actually really profoundly stuck with me was just about education and education being where equity or inequity starts. And can you just, I think that that's something I'd really like to talk with you about now. Yeah. So can you just talk more about that? You bet. And I'm so passionate about this. I, you know, I really think that the difference between great education and every other kind just boils down to two things. One is what we learn and two is who we learn with. Mm -hmm. So what we learn, like we have been learning the same way since the industrial revolution. And that is, you know, answer the questions uh, and then be tested on the knowledge that you've learned from reading the chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, frankly, that repetition and recitation is teaching us to work on an assembly line, right? Like to do the same things over and yeah. over again, to sort of be a part of this input-output um, model <clears throat> of automation. Whereas kids in other schools, in affluent schools, in like cutting-edge schools and great schools, they're not learning how to answer the questions. They're learning how to write the question themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they're learning to be the leaders. They're learning to be the makers, the innovators. <clears throat> and it's a completely different way of learning. It's, um, you know, it's, it's Socratic. It is, uh, you know, learning to formulate an excellent question. And you know this from, you know, being a consultant or project management, mm-hmm. like the better your questions, the more you'll get. Um, from, Absolutely. From, uh, and so 
And then the the second part is really like who we learn with. So if we go to school with kids whose parents are senators um, and CEOs, we have access to opportunities through that network. Well, mm-hmm. kids who, if everybody works at the fam, uh, factory, if everybody's parents do, that's really all we see. That's all we have access to. And that's all we aspire to. And so I think those two things are huge. One is our social capital and two is our intellectual capital and whether we're learning to be reactive or proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, <clears throat> so in designing IC stars, it was about bringing both of those things together, uh, really creating a methodology that makes makers that develops makers and then bringing an IT industry to the door of our interns. So, you know, we have CIOs coming through IC stars almost every day for coming to have high tea. We mm. do industry thought leader events. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and, you know, I would say in any given year, we have over a thousand volunteers that plug in. And so we've shifted that paradigm from one teacher and many students mm-hmm. to one student and many teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that too is, is, is a very powerful way to sort of look at social capital and, and why not. Um, and that education, as you said, is the ultimate um, equalizer because <clears throat> it opens up opportunities for us. And so, right, like the more we know, the more we're able to imagine, the more we're able to see, and the more we're able to do. Um, and so, you know, equity in education, in my mind, is the the, the foremost thing in uh, really creating equity in our world. Well, yeah, and we're, I mean, we're seeing now with the, the fact that we're in a pandemic and a lot of learning has moved to distance learning or online learning, depending on where you are and what you have to call it. And even then we're what you see, I see it. I'm in England. So I see it even here, but especially in the U S there are areas that don't even have access to the same speed of internet. Right. Yes. And kids don't have access to a computer. And you know, the tired argument I've heard a few times and I'll say it now is Oh, sure. But people have cell phones. Well, you know what? You have to have a cell phone to do anything to even get a job now. So that whole thing can just like anyone who says that can go fly a kite, quite honestly. But it's like, you know, there's an inequity there. And or people who, you know, kids who are like maybe three kids live in one room or something like that because they don't have a big house where everyone can spread out. I mean, all these things are just kind of. I think getting escalated more because people can't even go to a classroom right now. Yeah. 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 That's so incredibly true. So there's an access uh, piece of it. Um, But then there's also an engagement piece. Like Mm -hmm. we take for granted that everybody has a quiet place with a door that they can like, you know, anchor themselves and do their work, whether that's, you know, schoolwork or work work. Mm -hmm. When, it's just not true. And, and and you're right. We're living in a pandemic. And, you know, for our guys, this is the first time people have ever had a job where they could work from home, where they weren't doing, yeah. you know, direct service. And, and so many of them feel guilty about watching their loved ones leave the house and go out in the pandemic infested world and, and do things. And that they're just sitting there in their slippers, you know, coding. Um, it just doesn't seem fair. Yeah. 
No, that's that's actually interesting too because I know I've I've felt very lucky this whole time that like I've had work and I've had work that's remote anyway, so we didn't have to change. Yeah, a lot of people who work they have to leave their homes. Yeah, to do yeah. that, and then jobs that couldn't switch to that and people couldn't go to were lost. Right? Yeah. I mean that's yeah. And I think like one of the big lessons in the pandemic is is for all of us to realize how much we're connected. Mm-hmm. Like it took us separating ourselves to realize just how much we're connected and how like even for us to be in our homes working from home and the 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 blessings that come with that. There are, you know, 20 people in one day that are working to make that so. Mm-hmm. From the like sandwich delivery guy <laughs> to, you know, like everyone, all of the things that the people who are somewhat invisible to us, mm-hmm. but they're the conduit for getting what we need. And so we don't even see them. Um, and so, right. Like we are realizing just how much we are connected and the impact of one thing across the globe even is impacting us sure. uh, on the other side. Yeah. And even, to that point, like even the Amazon delivery person, you know, or whoever's delivering for them, there's all kinds of people delivering for the same companies. Um, but yeah, what would we all do if there was no one delivering a package to us? Right. Like, right. We would scream. Would, we would rage. Yeah. We'd lose it. Like, Oh, I needed a new keyboard or something, you know, whatever, like, or yeah. soda. It depends on what you order there, but <laughs> Where's my diet coke? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's interesting. So how do you go about getting partners, like business partners? And what's been, I guess, the biggest maybe change too that you've seen over the last 20 years with that? Yeah. So I, well, I think the interesting thing is, you know, the difference between selling to uh, startups and dot coms versus, you know, large enterprise companies is the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. I remember back in 99, 2000, the other founder and I, we were just going out every night, like we would have cocktails and like, you know, the, the entrepreneur would write on a napkin how much money they were going to give us, like in, in the old school soap operas, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, here you go. And then we'd be like, woo, and then there would be another round of drinks. And that was business development, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> versus, you know, a very long sales cycle. Um, and that uh, what's motivating people to as I call it, invest in IC stars. Mm -hmm. So we are a nonprofit organization. um, And, uh, but we are also a social enterprise in that we have a staffing arm where staff augmentation business, just like uh, any other staff log. It's just that the proceeds come back and fund the training program. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think that, what was important in building that social capital and having technology folks connect to IC stars from the very beginning to now is if they were to invest in IC stars and help us develop relevant curriculum, uh, volunteer uh, to, to either teach a module or to do mock interviews or something like that, engage in the program, then we would be that much closer to employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and if everyone needs to find great, diverse talent, we should be the place to to, to come. 
Um, and so rather than in the traditional workforce way, we would say, please, please come and help and volunteer and, and, and sponsor and do all of these things. And it would be this sort of charity message. Mm-hmm. Like by doing this, you're helping people get a job. You're helping, you know, move people out of poverty. You're helping generations of, I think that that's all well and good. Um, but it doesn't really have space in workforce development mm-hmm. because we don't work with charity. We do charity. And that once someone is stigmatized as part of that charity organization, their, you know, manager's expectations get lowered. People are like, oh, that's why you're here. And all of that stuff starts to happen. So for us, it was really important to position IC Stars as not a charity, but as an investment, as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And kind of my motto is it's got, we've got to look good, feel good and smell good, but at the end of the day, be good for your business. Um, mm-hmm. And so for us, it was about cultivating relationships with CIOs, um, chief information officers. And they love us because when they were coming up, they didn't come up in IT, right? Uh-huh. The computer science degrees weren't even what they are today. And they all went to these boot camps like a GE or, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, a Continental Bank or even Anderson or Accenture. And so they come to IC Stars and they remember what that felt like. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes, this feels right. And, um, and, and, and they participate. And so we built a network of CIOs because they become our employers and everything else, but they also become um, the magnet that attracts all of the technology service providers. So <clears throat> if I can have an event uh, quarterly that brings together 100 CIOs in any one of our cities, every technology service provider is going to want to be a sponsor to that because we've got a hundred CIOs in the room and then we'll cap it at 300 people. And so the ratio is really rich. You can meet your customers or your potential customers. Like if we can bring together buyers and sellers of technology, it's going to be good for their business. But the secret is that at every table, one of our alums or our interns is the person facilitating those connections. Hmm. And so you can't for a minute, forget that IC stars is in the center of that. And you're making an opportunity uh, for your business and for the next generation to come. Um, And so how we're able to cultivate all of those relationships is that every day we have something called high tea. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) We have a different business leader come to the table, share a pot of tea with our interns and their career story, like how they came to be. Um, And so, you know, on our side of the table, our job is to change perceptions about what it means to be a young person of color entering into IT. Um, And, uh, um, you know, I think these executives are coming to T thinking that they're going to meet a bunch of kids and they're like, yo, we code. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, they're like, my gosh, they ask better questions than my management team. Mm -hmm. How do I hire for my C stars? How do I get my team engaged? And uh, how do I support this organization? So every day our students are doing a bit of business development while they're growing their network. And it's this really cool uh, reciprocity yeah. <laughs> um, enacted every day. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I caught that tea in there. I'm putty today. See, you're doing yeah, you're doing great. Um, so, 
so how did all this change during during the pandemic now? I mean, are you still doing the teas virtually or what's going on? Yeah, like so we've got a, a magnificent team who was able to take all of the Icy Stars magic and transport it online. So we haven't skipped a beat um, and we still have tea every day. So, you know, I'll invite you and all of your listeners to uh, come and sign up for tea. You just have to bring your own tea. Yeah. Um, I brought my own tea to this. I was I was practicing. But yeah, that's a good that's good actually. So if someone wants to volunteer, well, or if there's an organization listening that wants to get involved, like how would someone do that? Sure. Well, you can go to our our website, and it's the letter I, the letter C, stars dot org, um, and uh, sign up for tea. So it, it, we've got a sign up page where you work with your calendar and find just the right spot. Um, under engagement, it'll say hi T. Um, and there's lots of different ways to engage too. So from high T to volunteering, um, and now is a great time. One of the benefits of this crazy time of all of us being sort of, you know, uh, at home working is that we can have volunteers from anywhere in the world true. plug in. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And so I think a lot of times people want to get involved in something, but they don't know how or they don't know, you know, where to go. But now is a good time to do things that are remote like this. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. And it's also um, I keep hearing from people how their uh, volunteer experience uh, over the past few months with Icy Stars was such a high spot right in their time because they were engaging with someone that they'd never met before. They were having a diverse experience versus a philosophy. They were adding value and receiving value. And um, during these difficult times, that can really be quite a lift. Yeah, it can. Well, one thing about just since last year and, and what went on um, with like Black Lives Matter and the different you know, movements that were, I would say reignited because I don't think there was ever not a movement. It's just that it became more present in people's minds who, who it wasn't necessarily like, I would say like someone like me, yes, I would always want equality, but it wasn't top of mind necessarily. Right. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily what was impacting me personally. And which is hard to, it's always hard to look at that and say that, but it's true. But after that, I think, you know, a lot of people did a lot of reading and listening and watching. And um, one thing that really struck me was just how having diverse voices and having different voices in a room or people who look different in a room does change the conversation so much. And it does Mm -hmm. change the ideas and it changes the solutions that people come up with and things like that. And have you had to have those conversations with CIOs or people in different levels, or is that something that generally people are aware of now? How has any of that changed, I guess? Yeah. Great question. I, I, you know, I think that with the murder of George Floyd, there, there was a tipping point there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, to your point er, too, like, we don't care about anything until we really know it. Like we know it in our heart. Like we can even know it intellectually. And, 
but if it doesn't get down to our heart, we can't really participate. Um, and I, I'll never forget the image of the policeman and his knee in his neck. Mm-hmm. And what was different about that image than all of the other murders that we've seen of black bodies is that we saw his face. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just like a, a, a man suffering or a man in trouble or a man being shot. We saw the face of evil. Mm-hmm. He looked straight into the camera and the look on his face, it's like still gives me goosebumps to think about it. Like that, that was what evil looked like, you know, the, the, uh, and, I think it woke everybody up and said, oh, my gosh, for the first time, I'm realizing what that means. Black lives matter, that it's mm-hmm. uh, that these these lives are 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 disposable. Right. Like that this life or death matters and that we are destroying lives. We are killing people and we are a, a, a part of the witnesses to to what's happening and everybody's waking up saying this is absolutely wrong. And so, you know, I'm, I've seen in the last few months companies, individuals like our volunteer engagement has soared mm-hmm. um, that people want to do something. People want to be a part of the solution and people are saying uh, this is wrong. I want to be an ally. I want to be um, a, a part of the, 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 uh, the progress here. Um, and so, you know, on a very tangible level, um, you know, we do cultural competency training for companies um, that may not be ready to be employers of IC Stars talent because they don't have any diversity, because their their entry level managers um, might not have had a ton of training, a whole host of things. Um, and so we help in that capacity. And we're seeing lots of interest in cultural competency, diversity training, those kinds of things, which is good. Um, but then we're also seeing, you know, uh, uptick in hiring, like people saying, okay, well, let's put our money where our mouth is and let's hire diverse talent in our organizations. And so they're partnering with organizations like IC Stars or Year Up um, or Perscolis other, you know, tr- training organizations um, to actually source talent mm-hmm. and take a serious look at sourcing talent uh, for the first time. And that's heartening. And, and, and then the third piece is I think, you know, there's a real need to develop people within an organization and to diversify the C-suite. And we don't, that doesn't happen until we develop people all the way through. Um, right. And so, you know, I'm starting to see things, initiatives happening at that level as well. Right. And this is probably, this is one of the tougher things that I hear and then feel compelled to always say something about is when someone says, well, what, we're just hiring people because they're not white. And (laughs) I don't know if, yeah, I mean, I just, that one always gets me and my understanding is that it's really just looking for talent in different places and getting people who are qualified, but that aren't, you know, the recruiters have a certain list of people that they're recruiting for, for example, and presenting. And are they presenting just, you know, just a bunch of white guys or are they presenting 
everyone or what? And so I don't know, to me, it's just about sourcing properly, but can you give me your take on that? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, the, the thing that's problematic about that statement or the statement of, you know, we're looking for the best possible applicant versus diversity mm-hmm. is because it implies that diversity is not the best talent, right? <laughs> or like your statement, like, oh, what? So we're just going to hire, like, mm-hmm. that, that, that we have to have substandard people if we go uh, in a diversity direction. That's just like, like, that's racist. That's the definition right. of racism. Right. Um, and so, you know, and, and so we have a lot of work to do um, around changing and shifting that. Um, and the, this, the crazy thing about change is that, you know, the beginning of change is conflict. Mm-hmm. When we get to a place that we, we just, the old ways of doing things aren't working anymore. That's conflict or um, we're sort of some of us are holding on to the old ways because we're scared that there's fear. And some of us are pushing for the new ways. That's conflict. Um, And so I I think that the beginning of any change is uh, it's uncomfortable. And actually, that's how we know it's working. Mm -hmm. Change is uncomfortable. Um, And so the whole thing about hiring is to go out of the ways that we have traditionally hired is really uncomfortable, which is like, do you know anybody who's get, you know, and we yeah. hire our friends or we hire from the school that we went to, or we hire, you know, and guess what? Like, it's going to be really hard to find that unicorn engineer from Stanford who is uh Latinx, you know, or 10 of them, you know, like, right. yeah. So we have to open up our, widen our pool. Um, I remember telling one business owner, she was like, I can't find uh, talent. And, and what, what am I doing wrong, Sandy? I can't, I, just diverse people, diverse candidates are not applying here. And I said, well, let's look at your website, you know, just a quick kind of look through. And everybody, all the people on the website were just like really happy white people. Like, this is like, ah, and like we're so happy. <laughs> and that... <laughs> And, and, and like cute people, like every, you know, it was very sunshiny, but, you know, as a person of color, when I see that, what I see is there's, these people are so happy that there's no black people to mess up their game. You know, (laughs) they're so happy that they're all the same and they don't have to, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but (laughs) I think it, it is, if we can't see ourselves, Mm -hmm. There's a, a an unwritten thing in there that says you don't really belong here, mm-hmm. and this isn't going to be a good place for you. Um, and so we skip over, just like in a job description as a woman, if we don't have a hundred percent of the skills, we're kind of yeah. like pass. Um, the same thing holds true, I think, with diverse candidates. And so it's going to take a lot. Um, to shift that mindset from, oh, what, we're just going to, you know, to actually doing the work. And it's going to require that we spent a little time being a little uncomfortable in the unknown. Yeah. Well, thank you for having a lot of this discussion was hard. I mean, to me anyway, it's difficult just to ask the questions, you know, and not feel like I'm some meme of like, oh, white person asking about... (laughs) diversity or whatever you know 
Because, or I maybe I am that meme. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think we have to have the conversations. Like this is this is right, and and um, and this interview, this conversation, this moment is going to impact other people who might be struggling with things. Um, and so, uh, like, I think it's a it's a blessing and a and a great like you're. You're a champion if you're making difficult conversations happen so that other people can learn. Okay. Well, good. And I'm, I'm just excited that we've gotten to talk so much about your organization too, because I think it's wonderful and it was so exciting to hear about. Um, so is there any, first of all, I just want to make sure, is there anything you wanted to cover that we didn't? Um, yeah, I want to say two things. One is, we have over 60 entrepreneurs in our alumni association. Um, and, and the reason why that just makes me so happy is that there are entrepreneurs who have started businesses and are hiring people from IC stars or from the mm-hmm. community um, and, and really changing the game. And um, they're awesome. <laughs> and then the other thing is my other bragging thing is um, we have over 70 homeowners in our alumni association. And so if you think about that for a second, it's people who are receiving public assistance are now homeowners. And moreover, they're buying homes in the communities that they came from. So we asked the question, what if we determine success, not by getting out of the hood, but by investing back in? Uh-huh. How would that change our communities instead of like robbing our communities of their greatest assets? And that's the people like, Oh, I'm out to buy homes, to start companies, to invest back in. Um, and I think that that's how change happens. And so, you know, that's why it's so important for IC starts to be focused on knowledge work um, is the average earning increase after 12 months is 400%. Hmm. Um, and and that's a game changer yeah, in that incredible. financial capital uh, space. And so, yeah, those are the things that I got to brag about. <laughs> yeah, those are great. No, that's great. Those are like good infographic numbers. You know, mm-hmm. they make a nice, pretty picture. <laughs> um, so do you have any like advice or a mantra that you want to share that maybe you look to or was given to you? Yeah, you know, I think it's about visibility for all of us, whether it's, you know, we're a minority gender or race or class. Um, it's about being visible. And I'll tell you one more quick story. I promise this will be my no, last. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay, so years ago... Um, I was managing the program and I was taking all of our interns to a networking event. Um, And so we were at the Sears tower in Chicago, you know, it was like high up, incredible view. And as the students just started to do their networking thing, I kind of hung back and said, okay, good. You know, and this woman came up to me and she said, so how do you like, I see stars. She thought I was a student. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, well, you know, I like it very much. I'm actually the co-founder and kind of laughed at the joke. And, and, and I think I may even made a joke about, I don't think I am smart enough to get into IC stars, uh, <laughs> you know? And she said, well, can I talk to you for a minute in the hall? 
And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I made sure everybody was okay. Went with her in the hall. And then she proceeded to cuss me out. And I wasn't expecting it. It came out of nowhere. And so here's this woman just yelling at me and dropping like every kind of F-bomb there was. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, am I, do I, is this person going to fight me? Like, do I have to take off my earrings? Like, how is this going to go? And then what's going to happen with my students? Like, what are they going to, am I like, are they going to come out and see me and get engaged in this thing with like, what am I And then finally, I just got really quiet and listened to what it was that she was saying. And what I heard was this, how dare you be invisible? How dare you be invisible to all of us who thought that the only way we could start an organization like IC Stars was to to have a white lady with great shoes? How dare you be invisible to all of the students and future students who don't see you leading, who don't see that you are the co-founder of this organization? And I remember I was internal in operation. I wasn't like the face of Icy Stars. And of course, it sounded like this. How dare you beep, bleep? How dare you? Da, da, da. How dare you? Know? Um, and when it was all over, like my face was hot. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, took a deep breath and I said, thank you. Hmm. And when I tell the story to young people, they're always like, what? You said, thank you. You didn't box her. You didn't like, you know. <laughs> And, and I said, no, I mean, I, I think that advice, that honesty was probably the most pivotal advice I got in my career mm-hmm. because what happened next was uh, the other co-founder was leaving the organization and she announced her leaving and, um, and I was sitting at a board meeting and uh, she had already gone and the board was talking about like, okay, what do we do? We're going to do an executive search. We'll do, we'll do a national search for the next uh, president of IC stars. And, and I was like, what, what are they talking about? I'm sitting right here. Like, it's me. Like, how are they going to say like, what, what? <laughs> and in my head, I'm having this whole conversation. Like, why on earth are they talking like this? Like, don't they see me? Right. Can't they see me? Am I invisible? And I was so upset that like, it's one of those moments where, you know, you're either going to like cry or puke, Mm. like you're so you like trying to hold everything in at the same time. And so I got up to leave and I just kind of walked out the door. I was so upset and like angry tears, like tears would fly out straight, not just roll down pretty. Yeah. One of the board members came up behind me and he said, baby girl, you need to go back in there and get your job. Wow. And he didn't really sound like Steve Harvey, but I think it's fun to make it. <laughs> yeah, it's your impersonation. So then I, I went back in and I said, I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, I'm the president of IC Stars and here's how it's going to go. And I just kind of like lined it out and was very calm. And then it was really quiet. And then the board was like, well, of course that's right. Okay, let's move on to the financials and blah, blah, blah. Like it was like not a big deal at all. But in my mind, it was such a big deal and it meant everything. And that lesson of how dare you be invisible yeah. 
almost changed the course of my career and everything else. And so it, it was a really powerful moment for me and sort of claiming, um, claiming the, the role of president um, and, and, and standing in, in, in who we are and being visible. Mm-hmm. Well, that, no, that's great. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of times all those feelings will happen, but you won't do anything about them. So you were empowered to do so. And the, yeah. I, the irony is that you had been so focused on empowering everybody else. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I have a series of questions that every guest gets asked called the fun five. Okay. So they're supposed to be fun. I have stressed a few people out with them. I did not mean to. So let's see. (laughs) So one, I don't know why I'm reading the numbers now, but one, (laughs) what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? And the one I'm wearing today is uh, 11 years old, I think maybe 12. So just that's why I asked to try to justify this wardrobe yeah wow that's good i think i have an old star trek t-shirt that i still sleep in (laughs) that's gotta be like 10 years old yeah it's got the little like you know yeah me up kind of (laughs) nice (laughs) if you ever can't sleep you can just try to go (laughs) i can go into the future (laughs) (laughs) um so during the pandemic, especially, and I don't know if this question will change, but I might just keep it even after we're out of this. Every day just it seemed like Groundhog's Day for a lot of people, maybe for you as well. Um, so in that movie, Bill Murray has I Got You Babe playing on his alarm clock every single morning. <laughs> uh, so what song would you have? Oof. I feel like every day it's a different song. It's just like no two days are the same. Um, but I would say uh, the song for right now is like Sly and the Family Stone, old school, everybody is a star. Like maybe okay. that's the song of the week because I've been really focused on engagement and bringing everybody in. Okay. So that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and I just I have a Spotify playlist so uh for all the songs now. So it'll oh, add it to that like when you're yeah, so it's kind of funny to hear the the range of songs that people have chosen so far. Nice. Um, so that's great because we don't have many like older ones. Um all right, very important question. Coffee or tea or neither? Oh, coffee in the morning, tea the rest of the day. Okay. So you Caffeinated tea or no? Yeah. <laughs> and remember, we're like tea snobs. So, like, we drink very fine teas uh, at Icy Stars, nice loose teas. Oh, wow. Uh, like, everybody has to know by the end of Icy Stars how to make a perfect pot of tea um, and how to give a gift. <laughs> nice. No, that's great. Well, and especially, uh, did you see there was a video? where this British guy was like freaking out about how an American woman was making tea, like just lost his mind because she was putting for us doing all this stuff. So it's a good skill to have for international. Absolutely. Well. <laughs> um, can you think of something that makes you laugh so hard that you cry or just can't stop or the last time that happened to you? <laughs> Okay, I I have such a weird sense of humor. Um, 
have you watched the show Grace and Frankie? Oh gosh, yes, I love that show. Love it's it, so, love so it. good. <laughs> so I, I actually got to meet Jane Fonda and uh, Lily Tomlin years ago um, in, in Monterey, California, for a, 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 a TED conference. Oh, nice. Um, and we actually watched the Indigo Girls give a concert, like together. And and the funny thing was, I was like, I'm not going to tell take a selfie of me hanging out with Jane and Lily because we were like hanging out, like Whoa, you know. And because uh, I didn't want to be like a dork and like, can I take a selfie? Like, and because we were really chilling and it was so much fun, I didn't want to. And now I'm like, if only I would have taken. And okay. So that's what got me watching. And it was right before they launched the show, okay. uh, Grace and Frankie. Yeah. And so, okay, there's an episode where uh, one of the daughter's boyfriends punches the meat <laughs> in the restaurant. Like, it, it makes me cry. I laugh and laugh. Just thinking about it makes me laugh. And it's that. Uh, it's the rules of comedy where you juxtapose something mundane with something that surprises you. Like that's why sometimes it's funny when people fall, right? Because they were yeah. standing upright and then all of a sudden it's whoop, boom, you know? <laughs> and so the meat, like the punching of the meat, like <laughs> just destroyed that relationship. Everything yeah. in one night because, you know, oh my gosh, that makes me laugh. <laughs> That's great. I was like, oh, which, which, because there's a, some, there's a few things in that show that are pretty. Yes. Great, right. Yeah, it's it's so it. funny. I know. All right. And you kind of actually talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, who inspires you right now? It is our um, alums. Mm-hmm. They inspire me. Like, just like I said, every day, um, you know, it's, it's in the stories of how they're impacting others. Um, that's incredible. So uh, I know I promised no more stories, but here it is. <laughs> so, so one of the women um, in IC stars, she was really struggling with one of her leadership uh, behaviors and it was around reciprocity. Like, and she's just, it was just really hard for her to kind of think outside of herself and, and it keep going. And so it was a real like uh, path to, to build for that. And frankly, I didn't think she would make it. And so she did not hit residency after the four month internship. Then people are invited to come into residency and she unfortunately was not invited. Um, <clears throat> but she continued to do her work and to do technology and everything else. And uh, one day she, emailed me and asked me to do a speaking event for her um, in like eight months. And so this is like a trick that my dad uses, right? Like book her for so far in advance, she couldn't possibly have a conflict. Yeah. And then it'll be in stone. Right. So eight months come, it's a Saturday morning at like nine o'clock in the morning. It's way across town. And I'm like grumpy, 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 like getting there, like this is my Saturday morning. And so I get to the library and there's a child who meets me at the door um, and says, are you Miss Sandy? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, come with me, please. And then she starts asking me some questions like, what's a fun fact about you that maybe people don't know? And what, you know, and I was like, this is so strange. Like, where's Christina? (laughs) 
So then we open the door and there are 12 beautiful little girls and a pot of tea. And Christina had been teaching these girls web development. And every time they had their Saturday morning class, they would start by having high tea. And she had invited me as a speaker, just like we invite speakers all the time. And I was blown away. Like not only were the kids so beautiful and smart and wise and, and the tea was like pink. I don't even know what they found tea, like little girl tea. Um, (laughs) And I was just like, she had come 360 degrees. Like that was it. She had literally done reciprocity in such a profound way. Um, Mm. And the, the websites that these girls were building and the apps they were building were amazing and meaningful and impactful. Like it was all there in that Saturday morning with the pink tea. Wow. Um, Well, this is the first time someone has actually, I mean, I got, well, I welled up, welled over a little bit. So good. (laughs) good for Christina. (laughs) <laughs> oh that's a great story and then she made residency of course <laughs> she did well good you know good. then there's redemption too <laughs> like yes. reciprocity and redemption for yes sure. well that's that's awesome that was really that was see that was worth you lying to me about your story <laughs> good great well sandy um yeah that's that's all my questions is there anything you just want to make sure people see and we'll have it in the show notes too but that you want to leave yep. them with? I just, I, I want to thank you for this time. This was a really fun uh, conversation. I forgot we were doing an interview. Um, and, and yeah, and, and I think again, I would just reiterate this idea of being visible and being seen and, uh, and being who we are. Great. All right. And I'll have the link to IC stars, but thank you so much. This was wonderful for me. So I appreciate you. Yay. Yeah. I appreciate you. (laughs) Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Meggie is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at RobbiaSaid.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.